guys. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Replacement Podcast. Today, we're for the first time in World, World Baseball in uh, the Replacement Level Podcast history, Chris. We're actually going to finally begin something that many of you guys probably don't actually know about, but we are actually going to begin something that kind of it, it's all it encompasses the meaning behind our podcast name, the replacement of podcast. So originally when I came up with this idea of creating a replacement of podcast, I actually hadn't really had a, a like a, a real reason to call the place on the podcast. But actually when, when before we had Chris join, um, I started the podcast with Matt Johnson with sports. Now was Chris, you probably know. And so we actually, we, we went back and forth on this and he, we, he came to the agreement that we should do one player during the season that we think is replacement level worthy, meaning that over the past week, which player has been the least productive just looking at his stats or just overall production. So for the World Baseball Classic, we're actually going to pick one team. Now that we're pretty far into the World Baseball Classic, guys. You know, it's it's been flying. And now we're already in the semis. We got Cuba in the semis. We got Japan in the semis. And we got USA and Venezuela going head-to-head. And then we got Puerto Rico and Mexico going head to head to face to on to see who will face Japan. But Chris, we're going to pick one team that has been replacement level and it could be a team. I mean, it's obviously going to be a team that's, that's been eliminated, but Chris, who, 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 who's that team for you? Well, you know, if we're just going straight off of teams, I think I got to go with uh, Israel. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they got mercy ruled twice in this tournament. And while they were, you know, a, a long shot to have any real success or anything like that in there. It's still got to be demoralizing to be run ruled twice in there. Um, now, the the funny take I want to have is uh, the Great Britain uniforms. I'm sure you you saw that it was all over social media uh, when they displayed their all gray uniforms, which looked like they just ironed on Great Britain on the front of it. I mean, it, it looked like something I think you and I could slap together in the last. 20 minutes to put together <laughs> our own baseball team or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's got to be Israel. They they just, unfortunately, were not very good this year. I do hope that they are able to uh, win enough and get back into it in the next WBC. Uh, I know Great Britain was able with their, I believe, with their last win, they were able to secure – a spot in the 2026 World Baseball Classic. So I know uh, I saw some British fans that were really excited for that for their team, even though they didn't have a great success this year. But it all starts somewhere, and good for Great Britain. And I hope Israel is able to qualify again in 2026 uh, because being a part of this event is pretty special and pretty fun. So it's great that they made it in. It's unfortunate they had a bad bad results this year, but they got in over some other countries that didn't. So I, I, my choice is Israel. Rafal, who do you have for yours? So for me, uh, I, I mean, it, it was kind of between three teams for me. I think it was between China, Nicaragua, and Israel for me. But I, I'm going to have to go with China for me 
because Israel did have that one win. And it was kind of between Nicaragua and China. But for me, just stat-wise, basing it off, just looking at just offensively, China had a 494 OPS in their four games. And Israel actually had a 404 OPS, but they still had that one win against Nicaragua. So I'm still going to have to count them as worthy enough not to be the worst team in this Webster Classic. But for me, it's going to be China. Um, overall stats, they slashed 170, 258, 236 with 494 OPS. They hit just one home run, nine RBIs, 18 hits, and 43, sorry, 39 strikeouts. So overall, just a, a pretty poor display from China. And they, they also had the worst ERA out of all pitching stats by seven Honestly, that, that's that's ridiculous. Like they they, the second team closest to them that had the highest ERA is Canada. China had a fifteen point eleven ERA. Canada was second to worst, and they had eight point seventy one. So you you, you kind of see that large marginal difference, and that, that kind of separates them from all the other teams because you see that all the other teams were somewhat successful pitching wise, but Canada just got completely tormented and the, the hitters hit 395 off of their staff and I, I just it wasn't just a good showing from China and you know it's it, things are getting things are getting hot Chris things are getting heated up fast the world's the world baseball classic is flying by as we've seen and you know we kind of feel bad for everyone Diaz because now the Mets are in jeopardy because oh. now the Mets now the Mets are going to have to discern as to how their closing situation is going to look like. Because, you know, they brought in David Robertson. They got Luke Rayleigh, Brooks Rayleigh, I'm pretty sure one of them. But they, I mean, you're looking at They lost probably the best pitcher in high-level situations. And he's not going to be out for six to eight years because he tore in his patella when he celebrated... Puerto Rico's win last night, and that was definitely a scary sight. Chris, I, I don't know about you, but watching that game, uh, I, I just, I don't know, something like, like, I don't know, I felt something when he got hurt. I, that was just like, that was not a fun scene to watch. Yeah, no, it was, I didn't get a chance to see it, um, but I saw, like, basically it come through on my Twitter feed and was just crazy where, you know, they're tweeting saying, oh, Puerto Rico won. Edwin Diaz saved the game. And they're celebrating. And then, like, oh, put, you know, all of a sudden, it was, Diaz went down. He's hurt. I was like, whoa, what? Like, come on. What kind of celebration were you guys doing? And then it's like, yeah, he can't be. He's being carried off. He's being, you know, put in a wheelchair and rolled out. It's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And now we get the report that it is a torn patellar tendon, which will keep him out for this, this year. Um, it, and it's just – it's unfortunate, really. I mean, he, you got to kind of, if you can, put yourself in his mindset. Like, you are you're playing for your country. You saved a huge game. And then all of a sudden, you're celebrating with your teammates and you go down with an injury. And, you're, you're, you know, your season is over. Um, I'm sure he'll say he has no regrets about it. And 
I'll be curious to see if he decides to do it again. I feel like he will. I feel like he is a competitor that was like, you know what? It happened. I'm not blaming the World Baseball Classic in any way, saying that it was their fault or anything like that. Like, you know, I was celebrating and it just happened. It could have happened if I was doing it with the Mets and we won, you know, the NL East or something like that. Um, but it will be interesting to see how he reacts to it and responds to it. But, um, man, just he's going to be out for this year. And, uh, you know, it'll it, – you feel bad for the guy and I'm sure there will be a lot of people that will be out there if they haven't already. I know I've seen some who are saying like, why are the stars going and playing this meaningless tournament? And the truth is it's, it's not meaningless. There is some, there's meaning to it. Like the players can refuse to play for their team. Number one, if they, if they so choose to, but being able to represent your country is a completely different feeling, different aspect than just, putting on a jersey to play for a team in Major League Baseball. Not that there's anything wrong with either one, but just there is a whole different feel. I mean, it's kind of an Olympic-ish kind of feel to it. And uh, Yeah, losing Diaz is going to be hurting for the Mets. But the good news for the Mets is that they have uh, sugar daddy Steve Cohn to go out and just drop any sort of you know, rubber band banks, if you will, um, and get whatever player they want or make deals that they can better their team. So there is that kind of, you know, silver lining there, but you know, brutal, brutal blow for the Mets to start the year off. I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but, uh, in 2010, Kendrick Morales hit a, hit a grand slam, hit a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the 10th. It was, it was Manor's Angels. He obviously was accused with the Angels then. So yeah. he had a grand slam, and while he ran to the bases, he was he, was, he uh, pretty much broke his leg, stomping on home plate. You know, now that you bring that up, I kind of vaguely remember that. It was, you know, I'll be honest, I kind of wash out or try to wash out all the Mariners' losses as, much, as best I can. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I do remember now that you're bringing it up and mentioning it, that you know, Kendra Morales had a celebratory injury that really kind of affected his career. Um, Cause I remember, I think the following season, I ended up drafting him in the fantasy baseball league a lot later than he went the previous year, because a lot, there was a lot of questions about his ability to rebound and everything coming off that injury. And I was full on board that he made a good recovery and that it wasn't going to bother him. I think he had a good bounce back season after that, but yeah, um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things like when you're celebrating, like you don't even think about, ooh, am I celebrating in a way that I could get hurt? You just celebrate. You're having fun. You're you're excited. So it's unfortunate when these kind of things happen. But, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, really. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a casual thing. So you're, you're not going and expecting that you're going to get hurt. So mm-hmm. I think for Edwin Diaz, this is kind of like like a, like a whoa, like I, that just happened. And you know, I, I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the dude because he, he had one of the best seasons of his career. And he, obviously he was poised for a similar result this past season. And now, now the Mets are are kind of rushing now because, I mean, they do have options, like I, like I mentioned before. But still, you know, like I said before, you're, you're, you're losing out on – Probably the the best pitcher in high level situations, so that that's definitely a, a big loss for Steve Cohn's Mets, and now even even for Puerto Rico, it's a big loss because now now you're going the rest of the tournament without your closer. So, Edwin Diaz, let's hope that he can 
return quickly. Obviously, six to eight month timetable. Mm-hmm. And the surgery was actually successful today. I saw on Twitter that uh, the surgery was successful. And let's hope he recovers well. So oh, let's and, all um, pray for Emma Diaz. And, I mean, just this as well. He turns 29 in a week. So talk about, like, a awful – He's young. Yeah. But, I mean, just, like, your birthday's coming up in a week and you – you know, you tear your patellar tendon celebrating a wonderful victory, but your season's over. Like, I don't know. Got to be an awkward it's tough. It's yeah, very happy tough. birthday, but I've not <laughs> anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Revolve, so, have you seen the latest uh, brackets up for uh, the remaining teams for the WBC? I actually. So I've I've got them up over here, and so like we have. In the quarterfinals, we have the now three-seed Australia, who's the Pool B runner-up, facing off against, I guess, the four-seed, which is Cuba, who is the Pool A winner. Yeah, um, and I think they're out, no? Is Cuba out? I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure Australia, they they lost to Cuba. I think I think Cuba's in the semis right now. Is that? Yeah, you're correct. I'm, my apologies. Reading it, reading it wrong, Yes. Cuba is in in the semifinals. Japan is also in the semifinals as they uh, beat Italy in the quarterfinals. And then we have upcoming tomorrow and um, March 17th, it's Puerto Rico taking on Mexico. So Mexico is the Pool C winner and Puerto Rico is the Pool D winner. And then on Saturday, March 18th, we have Pool C runner-up Team USA taking on Pool D winner Team Venezuela. Like I said, Chris, things are getting heated. And before we know it, we'll be in the championship. And that's definitely probably the most exciting. But I think one thing we have to talk about very quickly before we get to our topic for the Dominican Republic, who were com- who came into this tournament as the World Baseball Classic favorites, mm-hmm. I-, I think that eliminating them kind of gives leverage to other teams who are kind of looking to make a deep run in this tournament. Because Dominican Republic, who is coming in as the favorite, they're going in thinking that, hey, you know, we have history in this World Baseball Classic, and we're, we're known as that team that makes deep runs and that contends for a championship for tens for tens for titles because we have a big supply of players who come from the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And I think most fans are expecting the Dominican Republic to show out like they usually do, but they just, they, they just, you know, I mean, they put up a fight. They, they didn't go down one, two, three, but I just think it was, it just, it, it didn't turn out as they had hoped to, but I think, Chris, uh, from what you saw, uh, I just what do you think went wrong for the Dominican Republic that that could have changed how this series went? I just, you know, I I wonder if they just have too much talent offensively, and this tournament is geared more to teams that can put together good pitching staffs. And I mean, Dominican had a good pitching staff. There's no question about it. But when you kind of look at some of the other teams that are still in there, they have, uh, I would say it's a bit stronger of a case of having a better pitching staff. And, you know, it, while the Dominican can, you know, offensively, you look at the, their lineup, they're, they're scary, but again, good pitching can, can silence 
you know, good hitting on any given night. And, you know, it's one of those things where I wonder if the Dominican needs to really look at how they're putting their teams together and kind of assess and reevaluate and say, you know what, maybe we do need to put a little bit more of an emphasis on uh, getting some better pitchers in here in our, on our roster so we can better compete in this tournament. Um, but I mean, Rafal, what, what's your thoughts from them? To be honest, um, I, I didn't, I think from the games that they played, I didn't really see, you know, obviously they have a very potent lineup. But from the games that we saw, I just, I don't think, for me, I didn't see enough from them. Like, like we, we I mean, listen, they they lost, they went two and two. So it's not like they, they pulled a Nicaragua or Israel and they completely derailed and went on four. They, they won two games. They, they lost 5-2 one game. Then one game, they they went to they obviously beat up on Israel 10-0. That, 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 that's a given. So obviously the beat up on the the, the lesser teams, both their wins came against Nicaragua and Israel. So I think for them, the key was kind of keeping it close with the, the, their competition. And I think what, what went wrong for them is the fact that they didn't do that. They lost to Venezuela 9-6. And then last night, they lost to Puerto Rico 5-2. So for them, it was just outperforming those two Puerto Rican and Venezuelan teams. And that's exactly what they didn't do. They beat up on the on the bad teams and lost to the to the good teams. That's what the Yankees do. And we're not being the Yankees here. So, <laughs> But I, I think for Dominican Republic, the key was just keeping the game close and having one foot in all at all times and never letting the letting guard down that's exactly what they didn't do because they didn't score enough runs and they just they, it just things didn't pan out for them but i'm kind of surprised especially i i, I mean i think from day one i thought venezuela would move on because they, they had their lineup is just over the top but i think puerto rico i i just don't think if you're comparing their roster to the, the DR, they got Lindor, Kike, MG Melendez, Emmanuel Rivera, Baez, Eddie Rosario, Vasquez, Vimeo Machine, and Martin Maldonado. Comparing to Soto, Julio, Machado, Devers, Aloy, Michael Franco, Cattell Marte, Jarmo Condoleo, Segura, Francisco Mejia, and Teosco Hernandez. I just think that's completely unparalleled. And those two teams are completely different and uh, in terms of talent. And I think what put them on top is the fact that those two teams that they played Venezuela and Puerto Rico, they just outpitched them, and they shut down their offense. So I think that that was kind of key for for DR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the good news out of all this is that the reigning champs are still in the tournament. They're alive. They can still repeat, and that is obviously Team USA. But, yes, sir. Um, you know, it's they've got – they don't have an easy next round. They're going to face Venezuela, who came out of that same pool we we're just talking about that had the Dominican Republic in it. So, um, yeah, it's if they, if Venezuela can or if USA can beat Venezuela, I feel really, really confident about their abilities to get back to the championship and defend their title. But that you know, getting by Venezuela is not something that anybody should be sleeping on because Venezuela, as you just mentioned. It's a really good team, and there is a reason that they are where they are. So it'll be a fun game. So now, just just to get to, 
our show's topic today. Yes. This is going to be a fun one, Chris, because today, guys, we are looking at all the teams that did not make the playoffs this season, and we're going to pick two teams from each league that did not make the playoffs that we believe will be at least a wild card or maybe a division run this coming season. Last season, there were a good amount of teams that didn't make the playoffs. Obviously, there were two, three, four, five, six. There were 18 teams that didn't make the playoffs this year. So out of those 18, we're going to pick four, for two from each league that did not make it, and hoping that we make, that they make the playoffs this year because this was a pretty money-sporting offseason. And a lot of players moved, and a lot of these teams supplemented. A lot of these players made additions. Obviously, there were some some subtractions. But I'm going to start things off from from the American League. Just running through, I'll, I'll just list off the teams that didn't make the playoffs. From the American League, running through the teams, we got the Los Angeles Angels, we got the Baltimore Orioles, we got the White Sox, we got the Tigers, the A's, the Rangers, the Twins, the Red Sox, the Royals. So those teams in the AL, out of the out of all those teams I just mentioned, there's two teams for me that I, I, I'm kind of looking at them and saying, hey, you know, they're competent enough to to you know to fight for a wild card spot. And those two teams for me, first first I'm go with the Baltimore Orioles. You know, one of those younger teams who kind of has a a nice, uh, I mean, a ton of depth in their farm system, and they got a lot uh, coming in the future. And they they got a just, they just got a young team, a young team that has proven to be, I mean, reliable on offense. And they got a young pitching staff. Everything is just looking up. And I think in three four years, they they really could be in competition for an AL East crown. Obviously, you've got the Rays, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays to compete with. But I think for the Orioles, with, with their young team, I think they got a lot going for them. You know, they got Mullins. They got Adley Rutschman, the big Adley behind the plate. He's heading to first full service year. And they got Gunnar Henderson up and coming. there, And Anthony Santander in right field. Ryan Mountcastle at first. DH is lefty Kyle Stowers. Left in the left field, they got Austin Hayes, another lefty, free agent addition from the Pirates, Adam Frazier. Sorry, from the Euro Mariners. I'm sorry about that. And then, and then at shortstop, we got Jorge Mateo. So for the Orioles, I'm gonna have to go with them making the playoffs this coming year. I really believe that they can pull off a a wild card spot. Even the bullpen, I think their pitching staff actually had some nice additions this offseason. They got Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, good-looking Kyle Gibson. They got Cole Irvin from the A's. Kyle Bradish kind of had to have a nice upside in the last couple of months, kind of showing who he was made of. Dean Kramer from Israel had a nice showing in the World Baseball Classic. And Grayson Rodriguez, number one pitching prospect. And the bullpen. The bullpen is really where things get interesting because you've got Felix Bautista, who honestly I think should have won if there was if this was a thing. I think that he should have won the rookie pitcher of the year. And you got Sion Perez, the, the lefty who 
throws hard. Michael Givens from the Yanks, Keegan Aiken, Brian Baker, Tyler Wells, Andrew Politi, and Austin Voth. So, again, Chris, the Orioles are a young team. Watch out for them. They're really up and coming, and that is my first team from the AL. Chris, who you got? You know, I, I've got the Orioles as well. Uh, they're just a team that, you know, really for me, what did it is their surprise run towards the playoffs last season. Like nobody was expecting that to happen. Everyone was expecting that sort of success to happen this year because the expectation was Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman would be up and they would make impacts. But obviously the, the Orioles would be too far out of the playoffs contention to, you know, make any sort of impact. But the rest of the veterans on there stepped up and got them in there. And then when those two guys came up, it was an added boost to them and they made a run ultimately coming up short. But, you know, I just think with that kind of young success for a, uh, or that early success for a young team, it can only be good things for them going forward. And it can really just be something that for the young guys, they're going to be even hungrier for. I mean, it's a bit, of a luxury, I guess, for like Rushman and Gunnar Henderson. But yeah, my first taste in baseball, we were winning games and we were making a run for the playoffs where you have other guys that, you know, like a Jorge Mateo, who's been in the league for a while that, you know, he started with, was with the A's and they weren't doing anything. He was with the Yankees for a bit and like he just couldn't crack into their lineup or anything. So like you have guys on that roster who've known nothing but either not getting playing time or just losing games and not having anything really to to strive for and so like for them obviously it means a great deal to them and i think you're just going to have a great opportunity for those teams to for that team to build off of last season's success and not to mention i think john means should be coming back this season and Ooh. like i mean he went down last year with a tommy john injury fairly early into the season and he i believe his injury was early enough that he should still be back for a good portion of this season which is only going to be another added boost to them and then you also have their youngster grayson rodriguez who is supposed to be tremendous going to be entering in their rotation as well so they're going to get some pitching reinforcements to go with that lineup that they have as well and so the biggest concern for me for them is they play in the AL East. And as you mentioned, they're going to have to go through the Jays, the Yanks, and the Rays. And that's not going to be an easy feat whatsoever. But you got to, you know, competition is only going to help them. And I think being able to hang tight in that division will help them long term. And then it should, hopefully, I'm with you on this, hopefully it leads to their success and them making it in into the playoffs. It will be interesting to see what AL East team that people are expecting to be good and probably will be good is left out because they're just, you know, a few games behind somebody else that didn't make, that gets to make it in over them. Because I, I think there's a really good shot. There's at least two teams coming from the AL East that'll be in the playoffs. Obviously we're picking the Orioles as one and, you know, we can debate on another time who's going to be the actual other team that comes in there and wins the AL East. But it'll be fun to watch this young team just grow and blossom. But for my other team, and I'm kind of hoping we're not on the same page with this one as well, is going to be the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of talent on that roster, and they had a poor showing last season. I'd say many people were kind of surprised at how poor that they performed because of the talent that they have. I mean, you had a rotation that has Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, and then 
they got obviously this year they added Mike Clevenger to that rotation. But I mean, that was a pretty good four man rotation that they had, and it wasn't able to have a lot of success. I mean, Lynn was out for a big portion of the first half with an injury that he sustained. And then when he came back, it took him some time to get up to speed, but he was fine after that. Giolito showed some regression. And, you know, you have to wonder if that's, you know, maybe a thing that's going to continue or if it's just going to be a one-off type of a situation. Their closer last year, Liam Hendricks, was great. He was an all-star. Unfortunately, he's going to be out now as he's battling uh, cancer, I believe it is, unfortunately. Uh, So we're wishing him the best in his recovery. But they still have a decently strong pen even without him. I mean, right now, I believe the projected closer is going to be Kendall Graveman. Uh, But they still have Jake Diekman in their pen as well, along with Aaron Bummer, Reynaldo Lopez, and Joe Kelly too. But then really their offense, I mean, you've got – Yasmani Grandel behind the plate. Andrew Vaughn is going to be their full-time first baseman now that Jose Abreu is with Houston. And then at second base, I think they really found something there, and that is a rejuvenated Elvis Andrews, who was with the A's last year. And, you know, his numbers weren't great, but after the trade deadline, when he got sent to Chicago, his numbers really picked up. And not only did they pick up, but his running ability, you know, resurfaced. You didn't see that a whole lot in Oakland, and I, you have to wonder – why that was it was just simply like he knew he was playing on a bad team and so he wasn't going to try to like bust his butt because it didn't matter because they weren't going to win games um or if it was something else i mean that kind of makes him sound selfish and that's not what i'm trying to do but you know you just kind of have to wonder why his production in oakland wasn't at the same level it was in in chicago but then you know his up the middle partners tim anderson who we love with his enthusiasm and flair and all his bat flipping and then you've got Yohan Makanda, new free agent addition, Andrew Benatendi. Then the often hurt but highly tantalizing Luis Robert in center field. Oscar Colas in right field. And then Aloy Jimenez is going to be their DH. And then on the bench, they've got Gavin Sheets, who showed to be pretty, pretty well uh, last season. I mean, I think he just needs some more playing time. So it will be interesting to see how they use their those three guys in Colas, Jimenez, and Sheets because – they all can kind of be a DH or corner outfield type of guy, or at least Sheets and Jimenez can be. Um, I mean, Sheets can also back up at first base behind Vaughn, and Jimenez can be in right field as well. But, you know, one of the big things for them last season was uh, a depth at their, at the, in their, in their team. They just didn't have a lot of it. They had their frontline guys and they were great, but you know, those frontline guys do need rest days. And if they go into any sort of slumps or injuries happen, there wasn't a whole lot of firepower on their bench that the White Sox could turn to. They've got a little more this year. So I think the White Sox can be that other team that makes it back into the playoffs. And, you know, they do play in a weaker AL central division, at least weaker compared to the AL East or AL West, but uh, I feel good about their chances. So, who Rafal, who is your second team that's going to make it in? So, Chris, this is actually a very tough decision for me. I'm going to have to be frank here because, I, for me, it came down to the White Sox and Twins. And I actually went with the rivaled Minnesota Twins because I think, for me, I just think that the Twins and the White Sox have very similar lineups in, in regards to how healthy and and just the fact that both teams have very injury prone uh, star players. Brian Buxton's injury prone. Carlos Correa, 
I mean, the past few seasons has been relatively healthy. Polanco is injury prone. Prone Max Kepler is, and you know, you know, those are obviously big names. And I, I just think overall, you know, obviously the White Sox had a better season of record rise last year. The Twins went. 78-84, where the White Sox went eight, a smack 81-81 right in the middle, straight up the middle. And I think for the Twins, uh, I think what puts them over the top is they they have a, a more well, well-rounded, well and they kind of have something going for them in each category. And, you know, I, I think for me, it's kind of the bullpen that puts them over the top for the, against the White Sox. But just running through the, the lineup before we get to that, uh, behind the dish is going to be Christian Vasquez, who hopped around last year, went from Boston to Houston, and now he is with the Twins. He he uh, didn't really wasn't so productive with the the with with the uh, Astros when he was moved at the deadline, but he did have a nice stint with the Red Sox and hitter-friendly Boston. And at first, it's going to be Alex lefty Alex Kirilov, so hoping to get healthy. He had a nice year last year at second base. We got Jorge Polanco, who obviously has that high upside, and he hits home runs. And obviously the switch hitter, and then at shortstop, we got the star-studded Carlos Correa, who went to, went to like five teams in the offseason, and then finally stayed in Minnesota. And at the hot corner, we got Jose Miranda, who actually put some first in outfield last year, but it seems that he's going to be the third baseman with Kyle Farmer, who they also got from the Reds. He also can get, maybe can get some reps at third. And in the outfield, we got in right field, we got Max Kepler. Left field, we got Gallo from the Dodgers. And center, we got Michael Speedy A. Taylor from a trade. In January, the 32-year-old speedster in center field. Behind, on the bench, we got Ryan Jeffers, Kyle Farmer, Donald Solano, and Nick Gordon, the another speedster shortstop who actually showed some that he can hit a little bit last year. Had a nice stint last year offensively, and the rotation also. The rotation kind of kind of stood out to me. Obviously, they got that big Pablo Lopez trade, in which they did yield Luis Arise there. Average guy, he just got on base and hit the ball. And then they got you got Sonny Gray, who's trying to find some veteran. I mean, the veteran gas that he's got left in him. And you got young Joe Ryan, who's really up and coming. Had a nice first couple months, kind of derailed last year. Then got Tyler Molly from the Reds, and we got Kenta Maeda as the fifth starter. And the bullpen, the bullpen is really is kind of the peak for me. That's kind of where. Things turn around, and not not turn around necessarily, but I think this is kind of what puts them over the White Sox for me. So you you got Jorge Lopez, you got Yon John Duran, who probably has the most disgusting stuff that you ever see from a closer. You got Griffin Jacks, Caleb Fieber, Emilio Pagan, Jorge. Kyle Giovanni Moran and Dennis Santana was claimed off waivers from the Braves in February. And the, you just got a nice group. Uh, you got, got a, a, some nice depth in Minnesota. And, and you got a good group of guys who can just put together strong innings and close out games. And I think for the Twins, I think it's kind of important 
And, and I think it, it's kind of critical that, you know, they, they got a strong rotation. But I think with the pieces that they have, I, I think they have enough depth that that any of these guys they can really turn to and, and they'll they'll have enough trust in them that, that they'll be able to put together two, three strong innings collectively and close out the game. So I think for the Twins, overall, a very strong roster this coming season. I'm excited for Minnesota. And, you know, it's it's I think it's going to be a fun year for them because we all know how tense and how compact the AL Central is. And I think I can really see them as contenders come out of top this year. Yeah, they're a good team. I mean, definitely. I just, for me, I still kind of question where their their offense is going to be coming from, at least from a reliable standpoint. I mean, you've got Correa, who, like you said, has been healthy, and he can drive in some offense. You've got Buxton, who we see when healthy can be a huge difference maker. Um, but after that, I mean, who are the other guys you can reliably count on to help score some runs? I mean, Gallo did in the past, but he didn't in New York uh, and didn't really last year when he was with the Dodgers either. But there is the change with the shift that maybe that can help him out as well. And then uh, Miranda showed some real, real promise last year. and I, I really like him going into this upcoming season. But, you know, is that a lot to count on him for being in his first, you know, full major league season in there? And then you've got Polanco, who's a nice player. But, you know, again, he's he's not necessarily a big driving the runs kind of guy. He's more of a get driven in type of a player. So um, for me, that's just the biggest question I have with, with the twins. I think the rotation should be really, really good. Um, And they'll kind of do their thing of pitching and defense and be able to kind of get some runs in there, but I, you know, or scratch, scratch out a few runs. So I I don't know. I'm glad we differ though. I mean, it it makes, it'll make for a much more exciting season because um, you know, as the playoffs get, closer for baseball we can always look back to this cast and kind of have a little bit of bragging rights for one another saying you know i had the white Sox and you had the twins and you know i was right you were wrong kind of a deal or or vice versa so uh it will make for a fun season for sure so i i do i do hear from it coming from uh when you mentioned how that they, they might not have the most reliable uh lineup but i but i think one thing to note is that like I was mentioning, I was talking about four that, that their lineup is injury prone, and I think yeah. that getting them healthy could kind of you know we'll see maybe an uptick in, in their offensive production this year because last year they finished eleventh in OPS seven eighteen, which is actually pretty 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 good, and you know that they were actually first in their division in OPS, and I think that's kind of a, a good sign. And it's kind of indication that when they're healthy, they they can they, they can they can score runs. And I think just one one thing for the for the Twins is, you know that they've got enough pop in their lineup. But like you said, Chris, I think it's more about just the reliability and you know will they have similar numbers to what they did last year offensively? And I think that's kind of key for them. Okay, so onto the NL, Chris, give me your first NL team. Oh, I'm so excited for this team. I mean, I've, I've talked about them in some past episodes and everything, so I'm not backing down from them this year. I'm not sure um, necessarily how they'll make it in because they play in a really tough division, but I don't care. I feel strongly about them. I feel they're going to figure out a way to get it done, and that is the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
their top three starters in the rotation are Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, and then Madison Bumgarner. Then after that, they've got Zach Davies and Dre Jamison. So not maybe the best five-man rotation, but if you're just going for your first three, it's a pretty solid group to start with. Um, their bullpen, though, their bullpen is just a huge mess and a huge question mark. I, I don't even know who's going to be their all-time closer. I mean, Mark Melanson has done it in the past and other teams he's been on, but he's not been very good over the last few seasons. Um, so, I mean, do they turn to him as a, the kind of like, hey, this guy's had experience, so we can kind of, you know, he's the best of the best because he's got that experience? Or are they going to turn it over somebody else who maybe doesn't have nearly as much experience like a Andrew Chafin or a Joe Mantiply or maybe Kevin Ginkle? I, you know, I don't know. But that, that bullpen is a huge question mark. Offensively, I think they're in tremendously good position. You've got Phenom, Gabriel Moreno, who they got over as part of a trade with the Blue Jays. Um, and including that trade was also Lords Guriel Jr., who, interesting enough, is going to most likely be their DH or at least a utility guy. And, I mean, he fits in well with that roster. Uh, first base is Christian Walker. Second base, Kettle Marte. Third base, Evan Longoria. Third or short is Nick Ahmed. And then the outfield, this is the part that I really love with them, is rookie phenom to be Corbin Carroll and probably going to be the NL rookie of the year. At least he's the, in my opinion, he's a favorite going into the season. Then you've got Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy in the outfield. And then on the bench, you've got former rookie of the year for your Seattle or my Seattle Mariners, Kyle Lewis. And then you also have Josh Rojas, who they had playing all over the diamond. I mean, they just found spots for him to play last year. And I would expect a lot of his time to be at third base, giving Longoria days off to keep him healthy over the course of the season. But then also filling in that short and second and the outfield as well. But like I said previously, you've got Lords Guriel who can play in the infield and outfield as well, too. So that's another outfield bat. And uh, Kyle Lewis, then you've got Paven Smith, who's had some success in the outfield and at first as well. So a really deep lineup that they have there. And, you know, I got to think come trade deadline, this team makes a move or two to bolster their pitching staff. Their offense, I think, should be in really good shape with this young talent that they have there. Their pitching, if Gallon can you know, have another season like he did last year or even close to like last year. I mean, that's an ace for them right there. Merrill Kelly, if he can duplicate his past season, past season success, then that's another bona fide uh, frontline star for him. And then you still got Madison Baumgartner, who is still a very solid veteran player in their veteran pitcher. And especially at their number three, he should be able to feast against opposing teams number three starter their their fourth and fifth guys aren't aren't their greatest but if they can you know kind of eat innings and help keep that bullpen fresh um whatever bullpen the Diamondbacks have fresh I think that will help them as well but the Diamondbacks are my team or my first team I have going into the playoffs this season that they weren't last year or fall who is your first team so for for me this was um I think this is a little tougher for me, to be honest, because uh, for me, the AL had more candidates than the NL yeah. did. So for me, I actually didn't pick the Arizona Diamondbacks, but for me, my first team, uh, I'm going to save the best for last. So my first team is actually the San Francisco Giants. I, this is a very hot take. Oh. I, I, I know this is 
This is kind of out of nowhere. But we, we can't forget that they did go for exactly 500 last year. They went 81 and 81 last year. The Diamondbacks went 14 games under 500. So, you know, it's obviously that the Diamondbacks didn't make some nice additions. Obviously, they extended Phenom Corbin Carroll. That is a, nice, a very nice move for them. I think that's oh, great move. Big investment, honestly. Um, <laughs> yes. But for the, for the Giants, uh, one thing that uh, uh, kind of reels me in is their pitching staff and, and the depth that they have. And just run through the lineup real quick, and let's find some stud finders here. So behind the plate, we got former number 14 overall prospect Joey Bart, who is kind of looking to find his footing in the big leagues. He's hasn't really been much of a success story since going pro. And the first base, we got Lamont Wade, since they since they lost Brenton Belt, he's looking to pick up his bat a little bit. Second base, we got Tyra Estrada, who actually had a very nice defensive production last year. At shortstop, we got Brandon Crawford. Third base, we got David Villar in the outfield. We got Conforto. We got Jock Peterson and Mike Strzemski. To be honest, I, I do think that their lineup is very middling. And obviously, it isn't the, the, the strongest group out there. But I, I think... Their bench, they they've got a, a nice mix of guys who really can come and come and clutch and and you know uh, knock in a couple of runs every couple of games. Got J D Davis from the Mets, Wimble Flores, Austin Slater, three guys right there who have I mean proven to come in in the clutch. And they're let's go, let's run through their rotation. You got Logan Webb as the ace had a very nice. Season last year, you got Alex Cobb, the veteran. You got Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling. Both were off-season additions, one from the Padres, one from the Blue Jays. Both had nice years as well, except for Manaya, who got a little blown up, but he's looking to bounce back. And then Alex Wood is the fifth starter. That's a very nice rotation, something that I'm comfortable um, saying that they're in good positioning for the season and their bullpen. That's where things got fun because you got the Rogers brothers, who Rogers came over in December from the Brewers. You got Camille Duval, who is another up and coming young closer, who really racked it up last year and kind of shut things down and was the, their closer. And he will be the primary closer this year. You got Brebia, Scott Alexander, Jacob Junis. So that's a fun, fun. That's a fun player right there. Sean Azell, the, and then Anthony Discafani. Uh, he he could be a the sixth man in the rotation if he if if he can uh, step up a little bit. He also got Luke Jackson on the injury list. He he also had is also known to be one of the revered as one of the more potent relievers in the game. But he had Tommy John, so he'll be out. And yeah, there you go, San Francisco Giants. I think that is tough because, like you were saying, Chris, this is a very tough division. And you know, obviously, you got the Padres, you got the Dodgers, and 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 it's tough. But I, I I could really see the Giants maybe getting a few games above 500, 84, 85, 86 wins, something like something around that. And you know, for me, I, I I'm kind of looking at a potential wild card. And for me, obviously, wild card spot, San Francisco Giants. And as my second team, Chris, before you give me your second team, I'm hoping that we agreed on this. But uh, 
we got the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh. Won 10 games over 500, 86 and 76, and fell short of the playoffs last season. And I think for the Cardin for the Brewers, um, they didn't have the biggest offseason. They, they didn't make so many additions, but I think they kind of, kind of got, uh, you know, I, I just didn't think that they needed a few, many upgrades. And, and their lineup, I and they could have, I think they could have uh, edged things out a little bit in, in their outfield and maybe up the middle. But I think overall, I think they have a strong enough lineup to kind of put together a nice offensive year. And they got a ton of pop in the lineup. So I'm not worried about their home run protection, but I think it's more of getting on base. I think that's kind of where things get a little iffy. Just to go through the lineup, William Betrayers from the behind the plate, Roddy Tellez at first. Second is Bryce Turang as they lost Luis as they lost uh to the Mariners. They lost uh what's the base? I'm blanking. Oh, Colton Wong. Colton Wong, there you go. Uh Colton Wong got short Willie Willie at third, he got Luis Arias. In the outfield, that's kind of where they need the most help. Christian Yelich, and then he got Garrett Mitchell and Ryan. Anderson, that's kind of probably their uh, least talented area. And I'll kind of shy away from that. No love for Jesse Winker in the office? Oh, right. right there. Forgot about that. I, 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 mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I could see him as primarily a DH. That's what he is. Uh, that's his what he is because he can't really feel for his life. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> but, Chris, um, I, I'm guessing you had the Brewers? No. Oh. Not. Um, I will be honest. I actually had the Cubs. Wow! Then I, kept I was thinking about that, Chris. I just yeah. just to let you know, I was thinking about the Cubs. So I, I, I thought so too. And I was looking at the list, and I kept coming back to this other team. And I was like, "All right," I was like, "Let's just pull up their their roster real quick, and let's just see who they got." And upon looking at it, I made the switch. So it's not the Cubs. It is, in fact, the Miami Marlins. Wow! I'm, yeah. Shocker, right? But, I mean, if you look at them, like, they play in the NL East, which is another competitive, going to be very difficult division when you have the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies in there. Um, You know, that's going to be a tough division as well. But look who they've got in in their rotation. Sandy Alcantara, Jesus Lazardo, Trevor Rogers. Now, we all know Alcantara can do, so I won't spend any time with him. But Lazardo had a really good first year in Miami last year. And I think he's figured out how to be a big league pitcher. And if he has, and he can maybe take another step forward, that's a really great one-two punch the Marlins have there. I mean, Trevor Rogers is their number three. He had a good rookie year in uh, 2021. Then last season, a lot of people were expecting him to kind of duplicate it. And he had a really awful season. But so far, all the reports coming out of spring training are he's looking much more like he did in 2021 than he did in 2022. And if that's the case, now we're talking, we got a really strong one, two, three, because Rodgers in 2021 looks like he could be developing into an ace. And now we're talking about him being the number three starter for the for the Marlins. Like, well, that's that's incredible. Then you've got old man Johnny Cueto in the fourth, who at this point, he's not what he used to, but he's still a guy that, 
should be able to eat innings. Um, and that's what you really kind of need from your fourth and fifth starters is guys who can go deep into games and help save your bullpen and everything like that. Um, he's still crafty enough that he can get some wins and probably, you know, more times than not be the better fourth man starter against opponents, fourth man in the rotation. And then you've got the young prospect Edward Cabrera, who has some really electrifying stuff, but just hasn't had, you know, success to back it up. And if he can make strides moving forward in his progression, like that's a really good five man rotation bullpen. It's not, it's not Arizona diamondbacks level bad. I mean, this has definitely got a lot more talent in it, but there isn't, a great, I would say, closer option. I mean, you've got Dylan Floro, and then Matt Barnes is probably your most experienced ones there. But a couple names that I really like in the pen are Stephen Okert and then AJ Puck. And I think those four guys could be pretty lethal for the Marlins. And then offensively, you've got Jacob Stallings, who's not known for his offense, but he's a really good uh defensive catcher and really good with working with pitchers and framing pitches and everything like that. He came over in a trade with the pirates. Um, and I think that's a good addition for the Marlins. You've got Garrett Cooper at first, Luis Arise at second, uh, not jazz Chisholm either, by the way. I mean, Arise is going to be the second baseman Chisholm. They're pegging to have him in the outfield and in center field. And that, I mean, considering how fast he is, I think that's a good, good idea. Um, it'll be interesting to see how well he does playing in the outfield after mostly being an infielder coming up, but third base, you've got Gene Segura and then shortstop is Joey Wendell left field, Jesus Sanchez, right field, Abisel Garcia. And then at DH, you've got Jorge Soler. Um, now, I mean, outfield is going to be kind of problematic in there just from a combination of offense and defense and everything like that. Like Garcia He's a good outfielder. He's not anything special or anything like that. Solaire is definitely a DH. He's not really an outfielder. So it's a good spot for him. But you still have some guys on the bench like a Jose Iglesias who can play it short. You have John Birdie who can play all over the field for him. They also made a nice addition in getting uh, free agent Yuli Gurriel. Now, he did have a bad year last year, so it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back. But they're not asking him to be their starter. They're asking him to be their backup. And I think that's a good addition for them. Um, he's still a guy that can hit well. He's not a power guy. He's definitely more of a hit over the power. Same for Arise. And I think those two kind of batters can help lengthen out the Marlins lineup and can kind of help balance out guys that are like a Jesus Soler, who is pretty much going to hit home runs or strike out. Um, so that is who I've got as my second team that will make it in on the NL side. So I think we've, we've we've got our discrepancies, but I think overall, I think we kind of both constructed a strong case for our four teams that we picked to make the playoffs. I think that's just heading this season as as it's always fun because we never know which teams will play spoiler and which teams will be the Cinderella story. So I think it's always fun, especially to discuss these sort of topics. And um, I, I mean, I think it'll be fun. This coming season, I think we, we could see a lot of breakouts from teams and from players. And, Chris, I don't know about you, but the the season is in two weeks, and, you know, I, I'm a sight. Oh, for sure, man. This is going to be awesome. I mean, we've got two weeks till season. World Baseball Classic is wrapping up. We've got, you know, spring training wrapping up. And it's just – it's it's – just about summertime. I don't know about you, but you know, this cold weather that we've gotten here lately, I love, I love the winter and everything, but at this point, 
it's about time that we start being able to go back outside and not freezing freezing our butt off out there so like let's get some nice warm weather let's get the ballparks open back up let's hear the you know the popcorn and cracker jack and hot dog vendors and beer vendors at the ballparks and let's go enjoy some baseball i'm ready for it man as they say let the boys play uh we hope you guys enjoyed this episode again always check us out on twitter at the replacement level one and give us a like give us a follow obviously spread the friends families and almost anyone who interested in baseball and hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we got a fun one in store for you guys next week got a big surprise coming up next week and we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and see you guys next week